Wednesdays with Walton. We do this every Wednesday. Rain, shine, no season, season, doesn't matter. Brian Walton of the Cardinal Nation is always making time for me and for our listeners uh, to do this on Wednesdays. We certainly appreciate that. Brian Walton at thecardinalnation.com covering the minor leagues. Also, there's great information with the major leagues as well. And we're brought to you by Blue Tail Medical Group. Blue Tail Medical Group, great alternative to surgery. So before you think about having surgery, there is a chance for your body to heal itself, and that's Blue Tail Medical Group. The doctors, Bayes, Crane, and Wolf at Blue Tail Medical Group in Chesterfield are the leaders in our country at doing this. A lot of doctors are flying into St. Louis, going to Chesterfield to visit with them to find out how they're helping the body heal itself before surgery. Do yourself a favor. If you're in line for surgery, check out bluetailmedicalgroup.com and tell them we sent you because they can help you. Let's say good morning to Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. It's a pleasure to speak with you every Wednesday, as always. As always. Uh, wasn't a pleasurable first inning last night. I can tell you that at the ballpark. That was a little rough, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, you know, the, the big hope that the Cardinals had by bringing in Lester and, and Jay Happ was that they could get the starting pitching deeper into games with the score still competitive because we know the offense doesn't score runs in big bunches. And, you know, to be in that big of a hole that early, I mean, I think it was four runs in before he even had the first out. So, you know, it was just a, it was just set the tone badly for the evening. And you just, you sort of knew given the, the lack of thump in the, in, in the offense that it was going to be very difficult for them to come back. Yeah. It was a long night at the ballpark. No doubt about that. I want to get into a lot of different things that are happening with thecardinalnation.com and we turn the calendar now to August which means you start to name pitcher player of the month those kind of things so what's happening in that regard for you yeah we just put up the pitcher of the month this morning and the Cardinals organization uh, you know every month announces their own pitcher and player of the month but they announce a name and you know the stats of that person but what we do is we start with every pitcher and every player in the system and we look at their results regardless of their role starter reliever uh, whether they're at the highest level or the lowest level and just look at their numbers. And so for the picture of the month, the article just posted up. It's free for everybody to come read this morning. Um, there we 11 uh, finalists. There's a young man in Palm Beach, a team that's lost 14 games in a row, but a reliever there named Edgar Manzo, Monzo, Edgar Monzo, um, had a wonderful month, um, did not allow an earned run all month, only allowed 0.6 base runners per inning pitched. Um, you know, just a, a great, great performance for a young man who's playing for a poor team, but has, has gone as many as five innings in long relief for Palm Beach. Uh, other names of players who are, uh, did very well, Austin Warner, who is a young man who we saw come up through the system as a starter, his pitching in relief for Memphis now, only allowed one and run all month. Um, so there's a, a number of young players you'll see on the list when you go to the Cardinal Nation. Uh, a lot of them graduates of the Dominican Academy who are, you know, looking to try to make their way uh, up in the system. Then there's Connor Lunn and uh, Nick Troglick Iverson, two players who joined the system last year, one at uh, Peoria. Actually, they're both at Peoria now. And uh, both of them had ERAs under uh, two for the month. So even in a month where the Cardinals minor league system is struggling a bit, we see some pitchers putting up some solid performances. When do you want to tell us about the player of the month? Brian, are you going to give us a little teaser here? Who are some of the finalists? We'll, we'll do that. The player of the month will be will go up tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. And um, certainly um, 
the name that is the biggest candidate is a player who's continued to be red hot through the first two days of August of games, and that's Luke and Baker, the first baseman at Springfield. He hit 11 home runs last month with 24 RBI. It's just an incredible power month for a young man from TCU that the Cardinals drafted with great potential as a power hitter. Always had a good eye at the plate, drew walks, but hadn't really come into his own yet in terms of the power department until this year at Springfield. In fact, Baker was passed by uh, another player who's having a very good season, which is uh, Juan Yepes, Y-E-P-E-Z. And he was a young player that actually came to the Cardinals in the original trade that sent Matt Adams to Atlanta. And at that time, Yepes was still an unfinished teenager, was playing third base. The Cardinals moved him to first. He can also play some corner outfield. And uh, Juan Yepes uh, earned, went to Springfield this year and played very, very well and got moved up to Memphis. And when John Nagowski was traded, Yepes took over the first base duties for Memphis. And he's hitting very well. He's an intriguing guy to watch for the future. Again, not only because of his power, but his uh, defensive versatility, which is something that, you know, of course, folks know uh, John Nagowski did not have. Let's talk a little bit about the draft. It has come and gone, and uh, the Cardinals uh, fared pretty well, really well, uh, in terms of getting their guys signed and in the fold for this season. That's right. Uh, the way the draft changed this year, I think maybe many of the listeners know, but it was traditionally held during the College World Series in, uh, in June, and it was disrupted because a number of the players were still competing, and it, it was just a, it was a challenge to, for a lot of different uh, reasons. And what baseball decided to do is move the draft back a month and have it during All-Star Weekend. And that seemed to, to work pretty well. It, players only had until August 1st to decide to sign, which is really enough time for the negotiations to occur and to, to decide one way or the other. Are the players going to sign their professional contracts or are they going to continue with their college careers? And the Cardinals drafted 21 players in 20 rounds because they had an extra pick, a competitive balance pick. And they were able to sign the first 20 players drafted. Their last pick, number 20, was a young a high schooler from Texas, who a third baseman who had a, a has a scholarship to Wichita State. And the Cardinals were sort of, I think, looking at that pick as sort of their swing. If they were unable to sign any of the others, they could shift more money uh, to this young man, Xavier Casarilla, and, and sign him instead. But the Cardinals were able to get all their guys on board, uh, including their first pick, uh, the, the right-hander, Michael McGreevy. Uh, the second pick, a high schooler, Joshua Baez, an outfielder. And uh, Baez has, uh, has already begun to play in the Florida Complex League. That's the rookie-level league in Jupiter. Uh, almost all the other players, uh, including the competitive balance, number 70 pick overall, Ryan Holgate, an outfielder from Arizona. All those players, the majority of them, have suited up with Class A Palm Beach. So they're playing at a pretty high level for first-year players. And as a result of this, and then a number, I think it's about eight or nine of the players, including McGreevy, haven't yet been activated because the Cardinals have all these young men in Jupiter. They're assessing, you know, how many innings they threw, how many um, plate appearances, how many innings they played in the field this spring for their high school or college teams. And they're sort of bringing them into action slowly. And, and, and another byproduct of that is, given there are only so many seats on the rosters, um, a number of other players who had been in the system and, and for three, four years, have been given their release as these new players come in. So there's been a wholesale change at, at Palm Beach with, I think it's a dozen new players to have joined that roster in the last week. And like I said, given, you know, they've lost 14 in a row, you know, getting some fresh blood in isn't a bad thing. 
In terms of comparing that to other teams, Brian, and, and getting their draft picks signed, are the Cardinals at the forefront of this, or is this kind of commonplace now with the lack of picks in the draft that most teams get all their guys in, or at least the majority of them in? Yeah, most of them do. Now, there's some high-profile misses. For example, the Mets uh, first p- first pick, Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt, uh, you know, sixth overall pick, a guy that any organization would love to have. For whatever reason, the Mets got crossways with Rocker's representatives regarding money, and uh, you know they they were unable to come to an agreement. And while the Mets get another pick next year to compensate, you know you lose a, an important year of development with a with a good young player. So the Cardinals have always done a good job in discussing with the players, their families, their representatives, you know what it's going to take money wise about to get them to sign because teams don't want to waste good picks. They want to make sure that once they make the commitment to a young man, they're going to get his name on a contract. And the Cardinals traditionally have done a very good job of getting their players signed. How about Matthew Liberator and Nolan Gorman? Uh, Last night, Gorman, a home run. Liberator went, I think, four and a third. A lot of folks, and I can understand why, they they are curious whether or not these guys would get a call-up this season. My personal feeling is that that will not happen, especially with the minor league season being pushed back and it coincides with the major league season. Um, what's your gut on those two and, and where they're at right now? I think the, I think the acquisitions of, and, and again, of course, the caveat we always have to put in these discussions is we don't know about injuries. If there was a rash of injuries at a particular position, say at the third base position, or if uh, you know, there was another outbreak of COVID and a number, you know, then all bets are off. But I would say in a relatively normal environment, I think you're right in. I think we're going to see, uh, both those players continue to grow and mature at AAA, and we probably won't see them uh, this year. And we're talking about Libertor and Gorman. Um, but I will say, though, that, you know, one of the factors that, that comes into play that used to come into play was that in September, major league rosters could expand to the entire 40-man roster if they chose. So we saw a lot of teams bring up large numbers of players to get them major league seasoning. That rule has changed when they expanded the active rosters to 26 players, you know, they got rid of this opportunity to bring up all these players in September. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a major factor in terms of these guys getting a cup of coffee. Now, both of them have had very prominent roles in spring training in the alternate camp last year. So it's not like Mike Schilt and his staff haven't had the opportunity to interact with them and see them. They have, but I think, like you said, uh, odds are more likely that these guys are going to, going to stay, you know, in the, in the minor leagues, and, and gain, gain more experience with Memphis year, this year. And I don't see that as an issue or a problem at all. I'm always interested in Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. They were pushed uh, to another level. How has that gone so far in the first couple of weeks of them going to A-ball? Yeah, I'm glad you came back around to that, Dan, because the, the comments I made about Palm Beach earlier made it sound a little negative. And really, you know, part of the reason that Palm Beach has those openings is because those two young men – Mason went shortstop Mason Wynn, who we're waiting to see pitch a little later this season as well, hopefully. And third baseman Jordan Walker played so well in class A ball out of as high former high schoolers in their first professional action that they've already moved up to high A. And that is a very, very positive indicator of their career. We've, we've seen numbers about uh, Jordan Walker's exit velocity and you know, not only that, but his ability to draw walks as a, as a young power hitter and Mason Wynn, not only has proven to be a very solid leadoff hitter, he has an exceptionally strong arm at shortstop. And these are two guys that are right now ranked in the top 
handful of players in the Cardinals system, top the three and four specifically in our rankings. And they're guys that, you know, have a very, very high ceiling of potential. So, you know, part of the reason there's openings in Palm Beach as well is because uh, players like Walker and Wynn have performed very well this year. As you know, folks here in St. Louis, uh, right around March, late February, they love to head down to Jupiter, Florida. They love to get in the sunshine. They love to be at Roger Dean Stadium, take in baseball. But there's some news concerning Roger Dean Stadium and the complex. We've been talking about for years, the complex is going to get upgraded, but it takes two to tango with the city. What's happening right now with what's going on with uh, Roger Dean Stadium? It really takes four to tango, Dan, because... Uh, as most listeners know, the Jupiter complex is shared by the Cardinals and the Miami Marlins. And until the last couple of years, uh, we'll say the Marlins ownership situation was not particularly steady and not particularly conducive to making investments. Now that's changed and the Cardinals and Marlins were able to, to come up to uh, agreements with them regarding what facility improvements should be made. Uh, but they also need the county of Palm Beach, which is the owner of the stadium, the two teams have a lease, long-term lease with them that runs through 2027. Um, and so the County of Palm Beach, as well as the state of Florida kicks in money because over the last several decades, Florida has lost major league teams to Arizona and they don't want to lose any more teams. And so there's funding there as well. But the major part of the funding for renovations that were over $100 million had been agreed to paid by Palm Beach County tourism taxes. Uh, every time the fans go down there, you know, you, there's a there's a that goes into a fund that that's used for these types of projects. As of COVID uh, last year, all those those revenues were down 20 percent. And so the county of Palm Beach came out this week and said, hey, we don't see how we can move forward on the renovations to Roger Dean, maybe for as much as four or five years. And that's obviously a long time, given the Cardinals, especially have been very, very cramped in their spring training and rehab facilities. Um, they have minor leaguers, the, the weight facility, for example, strength facility is off site in a shopping center nearby. Things are just more cramped than they'd like. And the, the plan was to just knock down the existing um, facilities that the, that the two teams use and build brand new clubhouses and, and uh, the rehab centers and the batting cages and, you know, every nutrition centers, everything that they need. And now that's going to be on hold. And that's, Certainly uh, um, discouraging news for, for the Cardinals and for the Marlins as well. How, how long are the Cardinals locked in with an agreement to be there? Do you know? Yeah, it's 2027. So if you look and you say uh, the, the, the Palm Beach County director who was quoted in that newspaper story said work may not begin until 2025 or 2026. And with that lease coming up in 2027, if I'm another city in, you know, in Arizona or anywhere else, I'm going to look at this situation as being unsettled and try to come in with a package to convince the Cardinals and or the Marlins maybe to move. And I, I don't, I don't think that'll happen, but the longer this drags out, um, you know, if I'm the, if I'm the Cardinals front office, I've got to do the due diligence to look around and see what else might be available to me. Interesting. Uh, wrap it up with this. What's happening at the Well, we've continued with our daily reports from our, uh, from all the minor league uh, games. And the links to the box scores, we talked about the pitcher of the month, the player of the month will be coming tomorrow. Um, we, of course, had a story about the renovation of Roger Dean that we just talked about. Um, 
We have news on every transaction that occurs across the minor league system and what the implications of each move are. So, you know, you might get the basic information of player A moved, Alec Burleson moved up from Springfield to Memphis, but we go into detail about what that means in terms of Burleson's career. How does that uh, stack up in terms of the Cardinals outfield hierarchy in the future? So if you want to go in depth on what's going on in the Cardinals minor league system, you can't find a better place than the Cardinal Nation. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. We'll catch you up next week. Take care, Dan. That is Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And again, we're brought to you by Blue Tail Medical Group.